Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and Bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. We are presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Download the DraftKings app today. Use the promo code CHAIL to get in on all the action. Coming up on today's show, I'm going to give you guys some of my official predictions for tomorrow night. Plus, I'll tell you about the fight that's flying under the radar and also about a coach who deserves more of our appreciation. But before we get to all that, let's begin by taking a look at tomorrow's main event. Adesanya versus Cannoneer. Something about this works, doesn't it, guys? There's something about Cannoneer being completely stoic and being completely quiet that is goddamn intriguing. And the element, and you guys are feeling that. The line has actually gotten closer. It is closer. Adesanya is now a plus 390. But 24 hours ago, he was a plus 420. It's actually getting closer to Cannoneer. Do you want to know what that is? Do you want to know what that element is? 
It actually has to do with Hollywood more than it has to do with anything that you've ever seen in your time as a mixed martial arts fan. Before Van Damme proved to be the baddest dude in the bar that could beat everybody up, the bikers were all in there and rowdy and loud and drinking beer and spilling peanuts, and Van Damme was sitting there quiet. Before Bruce Lee beat up 15 guys on a tape that they sped up with his nunchucks, they were all being loud and obnoxious and making asses of themselves while he was being calm. And I'm not kidding about this. That is where the psychology comes from. There is a part of you that will always favor the stoic calm, the Fedor, the Rachmanov, to use a new name, that approach. But it doesn't have to do with you following Fedor Rachmanov's career. It has to do with martial arts movies that you watched at 2 a.m. on replay when you were a kid. Truly. It truly does. But I feel it too. Not to mention every great upset has some of the elements that I just described, where one guy is completely ignored, but he was completely focused. And we are seeing that Cannoneer is being completely ignored. We're seeing that in the fact that if you go to a Google search, you're not going to see any interviews by Cannoneer, but that's not because people don't want him. That's because he's refusing them. It's a very different approach. And this is Jared's moment. He has every right to do what he feels is absolutely best for him for this moment of which he has earned. That's true. Izzy views it differently. Izzy does not view this as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He views this as an obligation and a responsibility, and he's also doing his job as best as he knows how. Nobody's wrong here, but just to explain why there's a little part of you as this fight gets closer that's starting to wonder, hmm... Does Cannoneer have the power? Can he catch him? He sure is strong. The little part of you that's starting to turn and starting to see a little bit of glimpse, a little bit of pot of gold on that rainbow that is Jared Cannoneer, just so you understand, that's where it's coming from. It's an influence that you had from Hollywood. And if you look with inside yourself, you will find that I'm right. And if you try to look outside of yourself and tell me that I'm wrong, I'm quickly going to turn the gun on you and to tell me to provide me an example within your time as a viewer of mixed martial arts and you're going to be stuck. That's what it is. And Dan Hooker quite possibly said this best. Dan Hooker simply said, this fight is ridiculous. Izzy's going to destroy him. Dan Hooker is going to be the one in the room that looks the most correct when this is done. However, the phenomenon that's leaning towards Jared and is actually moving the line at DraftKings is not without merit. The problem and the exception is when you talk about the great upsets over time, you talk about the elements that are added to this fight and how that steers you, at least by the numbers, towards Cannoneer. The champion, the favorite, the Adesanya, always overlooks the opponent. That's one mistake that Izzy is yet to make. Izzy does not overlook opponents. He is not overlooking Jared Cannonier. As a matter of fact, he does have a different approach. Jared Cannonier's is everything, all of it. A lifetime of work into these five rounds. Izzy's is different. He's looking for a different match. He's looking to get a hold of Pierre. He just doesn't know if it's Pierre or Strickland going to advance. He's looking to get a hold of Pierre, and he's looking as this as one of the training aspects and one of the experiences that he's going to have along the way. I understand it from Izzy's standpoint. Many people won't like that. Many people will defer back to telling you, you have to be absolutely focused. I will tell you, it's very hard to get psyched up, but boy, it's easy to get psyched out. When you are in training, it's the only time that you want to be absolutely focused. When you get to game day, you want to care less than your opponent. You want to be playful. Very hard to do. But an easy way to do that from a psychological standpoint is to be looking past it. I'll tell you, when I was wrestling, I had my best round was in the semifinals. You didn't want to run into me in the semifinals. You ran into me in the finals? Boy, I got second a lot of times. I got second in my state. I got second in the nation. I got second in the world championships. There was something about the finals. There was something about the finality. As opposed to a step in the process along the way. 
a step in the process along the way just favored me. And I only bring that to you because that's how Izzy looks at this. It is not to say that Piera is a harder fight or possibly Sean Strickland is a harder fight or a more meaningful fight than Jared. It's not to say that at all. It's a very interesting mindset. It's a very interesting game that Izzy plays with himself. Believe me, once he gets to Piera or Strickland, he will be using them the same. He will already have somebody else and he will be looking past them. For right now, he has created a semifinal for himself. That beating Jared, that getting the championship, that winning the money is not what this is about. He has created an environment for himself that this is a step in the process to get to what he actually wants. And as soon as he gets this out of it, believe me, he'll play this game again. Nobody's right, nobody's wrong. There's different approaches, there's different mindsets. And if you're a young athlete and you're trying to go through the process, you've got to find which one works best for you. You can't just listen to the coach that you had that tells you you got to be 100% focused. You can't if that's not what doesn't work for you. Getting fully focused, there's something known as paralysis by analysis. If you sit and you study and you focus on something, you'll freeze up. you got to relax. And a great way to do that is to be looking past it, which for some athletes bites them in the ass. But for Adesanya, where we have a history, we have a whole body of work, we can look back, we can look forward to this fight by looking back on other performance that he's had and other approaches to those contests. They're the exact same. I wish Jared the best. I got no horse in this race. But if you want to know the truest statement said leading up to promotion to this fight, it was just said yesterday by Dan Hooker when he said this fight is ridiculous. Adesanya will destroy him. So I'll give you my official prediction for Izzy and Cannoneer later in the show. But before that, I want to give some love to the man who has played such a huge role in making Israel Adesanya who he is today. Eugene Berryman, top coach in the business, period. Period. Story's over. Eugene Berryman. I got to tell you this because you're not going to like him, by the way. You probably, if you know who he is, you probably already don't like him. I don't know why that is. He comes across as brat. I've seen it too. He comes across even as arrogant. I, I've seen it too. I That can't be who he really is. It just can't. You can't have the level of success. You can't build the team that he has by having some of the components that our industry has stereotyped him as. I've seen comments bye-bye. I've seen when he does interviews. I see the pushback. I think he's one of those guys, and I'm guessing, I don't know him personally, but I'm guessing that I'm right, that if you get to know him more, you see through that. You see how, and you start to understand, right? You know guys like that? Maybe you are a guy like that that people misunderstood. Your first impression is not your best impression. you got to try and try again, but then eventually you win the room over. He's got to be one of these guys. And when I say that he is the best coach, he is the best coach. It's it, it's over. That's not because he's got Hooker in the stable, because he's got Volkanovski in the stable, because he has a total of 14 guys within the UFC, because he just won a fight on Contender Series and got a 15th guy in the UFC. It's not just because he's got Adesanya. That resume is beautiful. That's not why I give him this. There's other beautiful gyms out there. There's other mega gyms out there. I say it because he's got a team. And I don't think there's many other guys you can say that about. I know you want to. I know when I was coming up, I wanted that to be true with Team Quest, and I watch it all fall apart. Most of us don't even talk to each other anymore. I know Shootbox wanted that to be true, but unless you see one of the jerseys from the olden day, Those boys ain't still hanging out. I know the American top team wants it to be true, but I'm watching Poirier and Masvidal both go after the same fight. Oh, and by the way, Colby just got the boot from the gym because they couldn't all get along. I know that TriStar would like it to be. I know that the AKA has guys coming and going, and Daniel Cormier sure brought this unity to that gym and he sure brought a bond to that gym. I know that. And they're up there in the lead. But man, I haven't seen anything like what Eugene Berryman's put together. And I mean nothing. Forrest Griffin made a comment. Were you guys watching the Contender Series the other night? Team comes rolling in. They, they got a guy from City Kickboxing, it's called. City Kickboxing. What a stupid name, by the way. I mean, what a stupid name. They do MMA. And they put kickboxing on the sign, right? 
I think you got to appreciate that. I don't say that as a joke. That is a really stupid name. You're doing an MMA gym, but you're going to call it something where you're... Where you're <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And these guys are the best. They go through a pandemic that I can only tell you what I read about. They're in New Zealand, which worldwide was in the top three most isolated with restrictions countries in the world. They moved into the gym. They didn't know what else to do. They couldn't get to and fro. So they moved into the gym. This was guys, big names, that did not have a fight coming up, but their teammates did. So Adesanya moves into the gym to help some ham and egger that you, you've never heard of, and I could have produced the guy's name right now. It's on a sleeping bag next to Dan Hooker, who does not have a fight coming up. Volkanovsky's on his way. I mean, it goes on. They have 15 guys in the gym under contract with the Ultimate Fighting Championship. That is an insanely high number. And it was 14 until the Contender Series, of which I just referenced, when their guy won. They come rolling in. You got Volkanovsky. You got Adesanya, one and two of the biggest fight card of the year, sitting at the apex on a Wednesday night because they had a teammate competing. And Forrest Griffin saw them and like looks around and goes, man, how many of you are there? Or something along these lines. But it was a very real, it was a very natural comment by, by Fofo. And I loved it. I was at an arena. Oh, you know what it was? It was Volkanovski versus Max Part 1. And if you remember Volkanovski versus Max Part 1, they were a co-main event underneath Usman versus Covington. I happened to be there. I was participating with ESPN. So I'm to the arena early, and I'm on the other side of the curtain. Volkanovski comes walking in the building. Show hadn't started yet. Your show kicks off at like 3.30, guys. What you guys see, maybe maybe you sit down to ESPN at 5 o'clock, but the pay-per-view party all starts at 7 o'clock. The show starts at 3.30. First walks at 3.15 if you happen to be there live. Volkanovski comes walking in the building. Volkanovski had a teammate who was the second fight of the night. So Volkanovski's report time, not only due to the organization of the UFC, but due to the regulations of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, is not for another four and a half hours. He came in four and a half hours earlier than he was supposed to on the biggest night of his life, which is his first ever world title fight. Because he had a teammate fighting, and it wasn't even a question. It was not even a maybe. Of course he was going to be there when the teammate fought. Some of you are going to relate to that. Some of you grew up in Little League. You grew up in soccer. Maybe did some junior high or even some high school sports. Going, Of course that's the way it is. Of course we were there for a teammate. I agree with you. That's the way it was when I was younger too. I get into college. That's the way there was. As soon as I got out of college, it wasn't that way. Whether I was wrestling, whether I was doing jujitsu, whether I was doing MMA, the t- it's not the same. Now it's elective. The coach didn't put you in the bus. The coach didn't tell you to be here. Your parents didn't. Inv- and a lot of guys don't choose to do it. And this team that is a true team, you have to look to their leader, which is Eugene Berryman, who I think is getting a bad rap by you guys. I think he's coming across in the media incorrectly. And I don't know him personally. Maybe he is brash and maybe he is arrogant, but boy, he's done something special. He's got a right to be. He is a leader of men. He set out to do a kickboxing gym in the city. And he's got 15 fighters under contract with the largest organization in the world. It's really a wonderful job. He has some secrets. There's something there that he knows. He has unity and he has bonding and that is very hard to come by. And it matters. When your back's against the wall and you're that last fight of the night and everybody's already done and they're half cocked sitting in the first and second row waiting for the waitress to come over so they can get a never double fister and you got a team that's there for you having your back to the end, it makes a difference. Now, before I give you guys my official predictions for some of tomorrow's biggest fights, I want to tell you about a fight that deserves more of our attention. 
Brian Barberina versus Robbie Lawler. Guys, you know what? I sat down to do an official prediction, right? My official prediction is I sat down to do that. This is your fight of the night. That's what I want you to know about this fight. Brian Barberina, not only does he have the coolest name in the 170 pound division, Brian Barberina is amongst the best and has been for a period of time. Let me tell you where this guy pops on my radar, okay? He fights, I gotta insert myself. I, I did Ultimate Fighter 3 in Brazil. That's when I was against Vandalay. But the guy that won it for my team, Warley Alves. Warley is amazing. You wanna know what Warley is? Warley Alves is the only human being not named Kamara Usman to beat Colby Covington. Oh, by the way, he beat Colby in the first round. Oh, by the way, he beat Colby in the first minute. Did you guys even know that happened? Did you even know Colby got cleaned up one time? One time ever. Colby got dominated. Very early in his career is Colby's third, fourth fight, but I, I only share that with you. That's how good Warley is. First time I ever see Brian Barberina, he beats him. And it was a war. You want to go back? You got a fight pass subscription. Go look up Warley Alves versus Bar Brian Barberina. It will be one of the most fun fights you ever watch. When you want to talk about the great fights of all time, I'm telling this is a top 10 great fight of all time. Purely because of effort. Neither guy would quit. And each guy kept thinking the other guy was going to quit. All right, I finally got him. He's going to stop. And the other guy would come back like the Energizer Bunny. It's just one of these matches. But I share that with you because Brian Barberina, first off, is going to beat Robbie Lawler. But second, I hope he breaks on your guys' radar, okay? There's a reason he is getting assigned to one of the most popular fighters in the company. One of the most popular fighters in the history of the company. Not to mention Lawler's the favorite. That's a mistake. Lawler has what it takes. No question. This is a killer. Brian is the kryptonite. Robbie's going to come out. He's going to hit the hell out of you. He's going to work your ribs and he's going to test your chin. The problem for Robbie is Barbarina can take it. He's one of those guys. Very difficult to hurt. And the more you hit him, the more it takes out of you and the more he keeps coming. You know guys like this, but I feel like I need to tell you because I feel like this guy's gone under the radar for way too long. One of the most guaranteed exciting fighters that you're going to see. And I bring this to you because he's a scrambling mess. Like I could tell you what Robbie Lawler does. He comes out, he knocks the hell out of you. He starts with his fist. He'll slip a knee or a kick in there. He'll use an arrow as an opportunity. It's going to be gritty. He's going to be in your face. He's going to beat you up. There are martial artists and there are cage fighters. Robbie Lawler is the poster child for cage fighter. There's a reason that Brian was able to draw this. There's a reason that he will be on the pay-per-view. There's a reason that he's going to be featured on such a massive card. There's a reason he's going to be opposite a world champion. I'm sharing for you that reason is the dude's great. Not good. He's great. And he will go 15 minutes. And this used to be the knock on Robbie Lawler. It most certainly is not anymore. But the blueprint to beat Robbie used to be, okay, and this is through 19 years old to 29 years old. Get out of the first round. You can get out of the first round with Robbie. You're going to be okay. You want to know what the problem was with Robbie? It wasn't conditioning. It looked like conditioning. It was not. Do you want to know what the inside track is? Let me tell you, as a guy that's been in the locker room with Lawler, you want to know what Lawler's problem was, guys? No one's ever talked about this. You want to know? He didn't warm up. Robbie Lawler did not warm up for fights. I've been behind the scenes, and I have been in more locker rooms with him, looking over, going, does he know he's next? He would walk out there stone cold. Throw a couple of punches, he'd walk out there. What happens from a physiological standpoint is you have what's known as a second wind. Your second wind is way better than your first. To get to the second, you have to get through the first. So if you can do that in the warm-up, if you can do what we call blow your lungs up, if you can burn that out and start to get to that second wind before Bruce Buffer gets the hell out of the cage and they slam the door shut, you're in a lot better spot. Robbie wouldn't do that. So Robbie would fight fights on one wind, his first wind, which is a worst wind, which would make him look as though he was unconditioned. It wasn't the case. And somebody finally grabbed a hold of him. It was like Ryan Bader. It was Simpson. It was somewhere when he was like out there in that in-between of Arizona. They were saying, man, you got to warm up. Something called a second win. All of a sudden, Robbie Lawler became Mr. Conditioning. He's winning fights because of his effort in the fourth and fifth round.
Go see Rory McDonald by example. I bring that to you because it's a really interesting story. So many people think that Robbie moved to Arizona and all of a sudden got this strength and conditioning a little bit. He did become a lot more professional very late in his career. Very late, post-29, post-30, right? This is a guy decade behind him, was on his way out the door when he starts making his surgeons, becomes a world champion. But it was also a very simple fix. He wasn't warming up. And he wasn't as prepared. I bring that up because I think I think it's a fun, I think it's a lighthearted story that a lot of you didn't know about Robbie Lawler. And there's no knock on Robbie Lawler. This is going to be your fight of the night. Robbie's going to come out. He's going to knock the hell out of Brian. But mark my words, Brian can take it. And Brian's going to push forward. This is going to be the best fight that you see Saturday. The calf slicer, the Peruvian necktie. There are a ton of ways to come out on top in the octagon. And for UFC 276, there's one more. With DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter to win and get $100 in free bets, win or lose. Whether it's Adesanya with a knockout kick or a powerful punch from Cannoneer, you win no matter the outcome. And with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can turn another small bet into a big payday. Combine multiple bets, like which fighter will win, number of knockouts, and more. For UFC 276, you can place a Same Game Parlay, and if it hits, you'll win double. Guys, this card is stacked, and you can make the night a little bit more interesting by placing a bet with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Do it right now. Use the promo code CHAIL. Bet $5 on any UFC 276 fighter to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code CHAIL this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Sugar Sean O'Malley, Pedro Munoz, official prediction. Guys, what do you think? I'd love to hear from you. I won't weasel out of it. I'm going to take Sugar Sean, but I would love to hear what you think. Pedro is a really good fighter. How good is Sean? I mean, that question has been floating around for a while. I think he's goddamn good. That's what I think. I don't think you can win 14 fights at that weight class. I don't think you can beat men on one foot, which he did with nearly no experience and still had the sense to tell Joe Rogan in the world, I love you as he limped out of the ring. I think you can do it unless you're really good. One thing about Sean that you may not know is his speed. And the reason I word it like that, his opponents are the one that are coming out talking about it. They're talking about how quick he is, that he is a lot to do. And guys don't like to compliment Sean, right? Sean's coming after everybody. Guys are coming after him. It's very hard to put him over. Cheeto Vera got, got the W and it is still all worked up. It's just one of these things where it's really hard to pay Sean a compliment and his opponents are paying him the compliment. I mean, this guy's fast. You cannot see him coming. And that speed is generating power, and he's got length to boot. I don't think that Sean has ever looked as good as he did in his last fight. Now, Pedro, at least on paper, at least on experience, at least on being a cagey veteran, is going to be a pain in the ass. I understand those things. And I do think that that's relevant. Because at some point, Sean O'Malley is going to underperform. Everybody does. Of course you do. Everybody will have a body of work known as a career, and they'll be able to point to here was my best night and here was my worst night, regardless of outcome. Now, what makes you underperform? What kind of things makes you underperform? Well, an injury. Injury never bothered Sean. Got to put that one behind us. Don't think it's fair to bring up. Coming into a fight that is just speculated about, that is this many eyeballs with this placement on the card, I don't know I'm buying into that. I don't know that the pressure's too much. He's not the main event. He's not even the co-main event can be one of the most sought-after guys. He did some of the most media and interviews, which is just evident of the fact that he is wanted and watched. I don't know that it's going to be a pressure cooker for him. However, everybody will go out there and something will catch him. Is this going to be the night that it catches Sean? Because if you are not on, and I mean on, 
You got a 15-minute fight. You got 15 minutes of work. Don't come out there for 14 and a half. Not against Pedro. Not against Pedro. You can land all the shots you want. He is not done fighting. Pedro's very tough. I do think that the speed is relevant. I could pay Pedro a ton of compliments. I can't pay him the speed one. I can't. Not over, not over Sean. So what is Pedro going to do? One thing that we haven't seen guys try to do. Nobody succeeded at, but they also haven't tried it, which is to take Sean down. Now, that isn't because nobody's had the, the light ball go on in their head, right? The hamster's up on the wheel and never said, try, try to go take this long, lanky kickboxer down. It's not that. Sean keeps you at bay. He's a guy with reach who knows how to use it. You just don't have guys like that. John Jones is one of those guys. And then you would have to go, well, Dan Hooker happens to be one of those. And then you got to go all the way back to the 80s and find Tommy Hitman Hearns. Announcers love to give you a tail of tape to tell he's got the reach advantage. Reach has never been an advantage, and not to mention it has so little to do with a fight ever. I have no idea how CompuBoc or FightStat or whatever in the hell that tail of the tape is. I have no idea how reach has survived the decades. Like reach and height that both get mentioned have so incredibly little to do with the history of our sport, and I'm including boxing, but every now and then, you get that long guy, you get that Dan Hooker, you get that Tommy Hearns, you get that Sugar Sean, you get that John Jones, that know how to keep you at the end. That's why he's not getting taken down, guys. Not to mention he's not afraid to threaten a knee right up the middle. Not afraid to keep you guessing on that. So it's a really interesting thing. Like, Pedro is going to have to study the tapes of the other fights. And Sean has never looked better than his last fight. Is that good for Sean? No, I'm saying it's not. I'm saying it's good for Pedro. I'm saying a number of guys have walked in there with Sean and thought it was hype. Thought it was a young man with a quick tongue and a few different colors in his hair. But after Sean's last performance, a stoppage, a dominant, all on his feet, a massacre... That is not the spot that Pedro's going to be, be in. And I do think people have underestimated Sean. I do. I don't think that's going to happen here. I think it's going to be a different fight. I think it's going to be a hard fight. Can Pedro get him down? Big deal if he can. I don't know the answer to it. Neither do you. I'm telling you why other guys have not been able to take Sean down. Sean coming in with, with all the hype. Coming in on this beautiful performance. Is that a good thing? Generally, you would lead to Yes. There's always something in sport for momentum. In this sport, for some reason, when a guy has his absolute best performance, very seldomly does he run sideways or springboard from that. Very seldomly. When he has his absolute best performance, there's a dip. I could begin to speculate why. But it would only be speculation. But I could tell you by the numbers, by the charts, and by the graphs that my phenomenon that I'm bringing to you is true. Can Sean have a dip and still get on from paper? Right? This is an interesting match. I'm taking Sean. I don't think that Pedro can get inside. I don't think Pedro can deal with the speed. I'm not positive that Pedro can go 15 minutes. The other side of the coin is Pedro knows exactly what he's getting into, and he's been in there with equally as tough of competition. That experience at some point helps you. Sugar Sean versus Pedro Munoz. I'm taking the Sugar Show. My official prediction, Max Holloway versus Volkanovski. Guys, I'm taking Max, and you want to know something? I'm taking on the back that I think Max has already beat him twice. I don't know that that's a very good hedge. Not for nothing. If you go back, I can't remember where I was. So they fought on Fight Island. It was the night that Usman fought Masvidal the first time. Guys, this is years ago. This is 2020. Am I right about that? Literally. Years ago, I don't know that that's a very good indicator. Here's the other piece of my equation. Volkanovski has clearly gotten better. And it's not necessarily the skill that you see is in grit. He has found a way to weaponize toughness. Right? He's going to have one guy that's the tough guy. You're going to have one guy that's the more athletic guy. You have one guy that's the brawler, one guy that's more technical. I mean, between two guys, you can always tip those scales one way or the other. Very few guys can show their toughness. Because everybody's tough, right? Tough is a comparable term. So if you're a tough guy, but you're fighting tough guy, you don't always get to show it. This is the same thing with pace. You get the Dan Gable types, the George St. Pierre types, the Kamara Usman types who have found a way to weaponize pace. They can go harder than you, longer than you can. And they are going to turn that into the greatest equalizing technique of the evening. 
Your contest will not be about who is better, who is more skilled, whose mother fed them better when they were the kid. They will just purely weaponize pace. And I share that with you because it's very rare that you see a guy weaponize toughness, that you see a guy weaponize grit, that you see his toughness and his grit getting better. Very rare. We've actually seen that with Volkanovsky. I don't know that there's any other uh, better explanation of Volkanovsky's performance against Ortega when he was caught three times, could have called it a night. Possibly been the greatest fight in the, in the division's history. Definitely fight of the night. Get his rematch number. I mean, there was 10 different ways out. When you're a fighter, no matter how you good you are, when that window opens, son of a bitch, it's hard to not walk through it. And you do your best to reclose it and go on, and it opens again, and you do your best to close It's just one of those things. He showed his toughness. Now, I bring that to you because Max is also better. I argue for you that Max Holloway got better during the pandemic. There's a number of things that could have pointed to that. It could have just been his age. Max is a very young man. When you're 25, you're 26 years old, you're just now getting control of your body. They love to tell you that you're an adult at 18. I will tell you, as a coach of athletes still to this day, my athletes don't have control of their body till they're 25. Not let an athlete state champion as a sophomore. He'll go home for summer break, come back nine weeks later, He's grown two and a half inches and put on 18 pounds. He's stumbling over his own feet. All of his balance is off. All of his timing is off. So there becomes a point, and it's just like it's just like when you mature, you go through puberty, but you get that a second time. Some people call it dad strength or they call it old man strength. You do get that. And everybody's time's a little bit different, just like your first time through puberty. And maybe Max hit that. Maybe he just was a guy that got to get better just by staying alive. There's a period of his life when that will happen. Maybe that was the pandemic. Something else that you could isolate and guess is he wasn't able to go into the gym. He was out in Hawaii. They were very shut down. He did his own training by himself without even a coach in his garage. So I imagine he had a treadmill. For sure he's got a jump rope. For sure he's got a heavy bag. Maybe he has a double end or a speed bag. It's no grappling. It's all striking. He goes out there. He fights Cater. His boxing never looks so good. Truly. And there was a discussion at one point. Who is the best boxer in all of MMA? It was Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, Max Holloway. Those were your three and nobody disputed. Teddy Atlas didn't dispute that. It was those three. I mean, I only bring this to you because now I'm telling you, it got even better. How? I don't know. Let's set that aside. <laughs> Let's just accept the reality that he did. So I'm going back to, I think Max beat him the first time. I realize Volk's better. I think Max is better. I think you got to wash it. I think you got Max. Now, if you wanted to ask me a really hard question, it wouldn't be, hey, Chael, make a prediction. It would be, Chael, tell me how. How's Max going to beat him? One thing that Volk has, and he doesn't pull it out often, but he pulls it out when he needs it. And when he needs it, it works every time is his takedown. I feel that some of you might be missing that. Volk did not stay on his feet with Max for close to 50 minutes because he had to. Don't miss that. Volk wanted to be there. You talk about the, the, the greatest boxer in MMA. Yeah, I think you found your right three guys. Where Max fits into the Connor and Dustin, I know I'm going back a couple years. I think you found your right three guys. I agree with Teddy Atlas. But Volkanovsky's stand-up, I don't call him a boxer, I don't call him a kickboxer, I don't call him a Muay Thai fighter, I don't call him a brawler. His stand-up, as a stand-up fighter, when he can slip an elbow, he can slip a knee, he can get those combinations going. He's short, he's stocky, he's powerful, he's very fast for a muscular guy. You generally don't get both in life. If you're the stronger guy, you're not the faster guy, it's a trade, everything is, he's both. Volk is faster than the competition. And he's more powerful. It's very interesting. I mean, this is a hard fight. So you want to ask me how he's going to do it. I will tell you, look, here's the bad news for Max. Good news for Volk. When Volk searches for a takedown and goes after it with an urgency, he's 100%. That is not an actual stat. That's off of Chael's head. I've never seen him miss. And I've seen him go to some very precarious positions. I saw him with Max two years ago, and I can still recall it, pull him from a body lock, hit an inside trip, head goes to the right side, pulls back flat down. This is in the fifth round. But the part that I don't want you guys to miss is when Volk got that takedown, Volk went for one takedown. He went for one. He got it. If he wants to go for three, I'm inclined to believe he's going to find three. What happens then? I, I don't know. I haven't seen him spend a lot of time there. I've seen them on the ground. I haven't seen him spend a lot of time there. 
kind of thinking it's going to be a stand-up fight. Kind of thinking Max is going to go out and accumulate just like Max does. It's not a bullish pick by me. I'm not willing to part with a dollar. But I'm willing to come and tell you guys, and there's a little bit of ego there, and you want to know who's going to win between Volk and Max? I'm taking Max. It's a decision. They're fighting all night. These boys are going to spend 75 minutes with one another. And based on the outcome and the decision of Volk and or Max to stay and or leave the division, guys, I'm not sure that we're not just getting started. I'm not sure this isn't the fight that leads to the fourth fight. My official prediction, Adesanya versus Kandir. Guys, of course I'm taking Adesanya. Sure I am. So are you. So are you, but as the fight gets closer, there is something about it that gets a little bit more intriguing. There's something that you have to respect and admire about how obviously Jared is putting all of his eggs in one basket. When I'm talking about that, guys, I'm talking about his life of work. I'm talking about an overweight fighting at 265 pounds and under, by the way, heavyweight. Jared Cannonier, who's living in Alaska in the freezing cold driving truck. I mean, it's a real rocky story. It's a great place to live. That's good, honest work. I don't speak about the profession. I speak about the time that it takes to do that profession. We know that the hours in truck drive, we know you could do 12 and 14 hours a day. When are you going to train? Where you pull the truck over and you get a couple of miles in, you drive up the highway sweaty? Yes, the answer is yes. If that's what it takes, that's what you do. Jared Cannonier somehow, while driving truck, was able to get to a set location five days a week known as his gym. It was a sacrifice. It was hard work. It was dedication. There's money that comes along with it. Sure there is. There's fame that comes along with it. Sure there is. When you become a guy that's chasing the money and the fame, it is now over for you. When you ever stop being that little boy with a dream that wanted to be the champion of the world, things are coming to an end. But that's not what Jared's doing. Not at all. And he's making this blatantly clear. He may have nowhere to go after this. He's not setting up any other fight for himself. Adesanya set up two this week. This week, Adesanya set up two fights for himself aside from Jared Cannonier. Right now. Sell out an arena. Watch him take on Michael Strickland. Watch him take on Alex Pereira. Already done the work. Already done the work. Already did the interviews. Already sold the fight. Very different approach by Jared. And you can't do anything except put yourself in that spot. Would I do my best work when the house is on fire? When there is nowhere else to go and I have burned my ships, am I going to go out there and I am going to perform my best or am I going to wilt to the pressure of the situation that I created? hard to know. Yarno is who you think you're going to be. I will tell you, I, I have personally found that out the hard way. I've been very proud of myself at times, and I've been very disappointed, very surprised at how I reacted to certain situations when I created a certain environment. It's just the reality of it. And there's no time to go back, right? There's always time to refocus if you're Izzy. He's at the apex last night cheering on a teammate, sitting there with Volkanovsky. His teammate went, he's cheering him on. Now he's going to go cut a little bit away. He's going to get a couple of interviews in between now and then. Then he's going to start to focus on the task at hand, which is Jared. That's Izzy's approach. But he can always get real serious, even if it's for an hour. He can get real serious and get locked into that mode, the exact same mode that Jared's living. He could do that in five minutes. Sure he could. It's very hard to go the other way. Very easy to tighten the reins. Boy, it's very hard to loosen them. If you haven't already put those things in place, you haven't already feathered your nest, you all don't already have a good solid fight that you're going to go into when this one's done. So all you can do, if you're you, if you're me, is guess what would I do in that situation? And Jared Cannonier has lit the house on fire. It is all going down in these five rounds. If he is going to beat Adesanya, how is he going to do it? Well, we can lay out a case, guys. The one thing that will beat absolutely everybody is a lack of conditioning. The absolute number one way to win an ass-whipping contest is not to be better with the kicks and better with the hands and better with the grappling. It's not. It's to get your opponent tied. That is the number one way. Hard to do because both guys always come in shape, but we've seen examples. Sure we have. We just saw it in boxing. Who's this British guy? Uh, Joshua. Anthony Joshua had a fight, can't think of the guy's name, but the guy was not what you call body beautiful. He did not look like his level of fitness was there. 
Anthony Joshua did not prepare correctly for him. Joshua got knocked down like four times in three rounds. It was just something brutal. The guy stops him. Remember this guy that I'm talking about? Then they rematch. The guy comes in like 50 pounds heavier. He can't move. I mean, the same thing that he did that got him success against Joshua, which is he came in in better shape than Joshua. Joshua didn't take it seriously. The guy reverses and does the, the second time, but they switch outcomes. Joshua didn't become a better boxer from the night that he was stopped by this guy till he goes on to dominate the guy. He didn't become better. It was just a conditioning issue. I'll tell you right now, Jared's not winning the first round. And, and please don't bring to me the puncher's chance. Please, please don't talk like that. If you're that level of lazy, go find another channel. There's there's other guys out there. You can find somebody. Don't, don't come over here with a genius like me. Please don't do that. Because if I challenge you and tell, and tell you, all right, great, tell me a time that a guy with a puncher's chance did anything... You could do it in championship fights. You just have to go back to George Foreman versus Michael Moore, of which I was in the eighth grade. That isn't a real thing. I'm well aware that if a brick falls on your head, you're effed. I got it. Please don't bring that up to me. Just don't. So let's take that silliness out and let's really take a look at this. How can Jared do it? He's not going to win the first round because he's not as good of a fighter. He doesn't have the wrestling paralysis that the guys who took Izzy down had. He does not have the wrestling of Marvin Vittori. He does not have the, the wrestling of Brunson, who, by the way, didn't get Izzy down. He does not have the wrestling of Yoel Romero, which, by the way, nobody has except for Daniel Cormier, who didn't get Izzy down. Okay, we got that. We got that. He's not going to take him down. We, we, I've proved my point. It doesn't mean he can't outstrike him, even though he's far inferior of a striker. The takedown is the number two component that a wrestler has. This is always missed. The takedown is the second level of armor that the wrestler has. The first is the threat of the takedown. The threat of the takedown is what changes the fight. The threat of the wrestler is what gives the advantage to the wrestler. Every time. That is what will make the striker lower his hands. That is what will make the striker plant his feet. That is what will make the striker think twice. If Jared can come out with a little bit of a different strategy than we've seen him do before and threaten a takedown, it will open up his hands. And he will get some shots off. And is he as good as he is, gets hit all the time. Guys always do. Some of you could be practice fighter. Go get in a street fight right now. You're going to get hit by the guy that's never practiced it before. Sure you will. But you might roll with it. You might come. It's, it's one of these things. You have to understand that, though. You're going to get hit and you're going to get kicked. And it doesn't matter who's better and who's superior. Both are going to happen. Can he take it? How will he react when it happens? I think, uh, I think Jules might have just proved this the best. The Venezuela vixen was not as good of a kickboxer as Amanda, but she could take it. More than Amanda could, at least that night. That's what changed that fight. And I bring that to you because Jared is not going to win the first round. I'm not asking you. I'm not sharing an opinion right now. My opinion is that Adesanya is going to win. I'm telling you a fact. He's not going to win the first round. Jared is not going to win the second round. But if he wears Adesanya down, or he can get Adesanya to mismanage his energy which is exactly what Amanda Nunes did. Just to go back to that example, he could win three, four, and five. Absolutely. You do not have to be the better fighter to win the later rounds. The better fighter wins the first two rounds. Whoever fights better wins the next three. So there is a case for sure from a physical standpoint, Jared's going to have to offer the threat of the takedown. He doesn't actually have to get him down. He's going to offer the threat so that he can come back up. Go watch Uriah Faber fight sometime. Uriah Faber will hit the hell out of you. But he will change elevation before every punch. He will change elevation and come up with an uppercut. He will change elevation like he's going to attack. He'll come over with an overhand right. He will change elevation and surprise you with a hook. He will offer the threat nonstop and all of Uriah's punches land. They land because of the setup. And I only bring that to you. Because there is a way. You bet your ass there is a way. That Jared Cannonier can take so much punishment and basically get a rope-a-dope done inside of the first 10 minutes to come back and win the next three rounds. We see this happen all the time if 
the guy in Izzy's spot, not from a lack of preparation, from a lack of respect in the moment. If I go back to Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena, it was a lack of respect in that moment by Amanda. She did not understand what her opponent could take. It surprised her. It caught her off guard. The fight ended up being harder than she thought it was going to be. Now, Adesanya doesn't fight that same way. He doesn't look to seek and destroy. And one thing that's very hard for you guys to see is the speed of Adesanya. He probably looks quick, and it probably ends right there. He's scary fast. He is scary fast. You want to know who said that? A world champion by the name of Robert Whitaker said, I couldn't see it coming. I could not see it coming. I was just getting hit. I was just getting picked apart. We had a guy named Rickle over in Bellator. He had to quit a fight. Worst thing a fighter ever wants to do amongst fellow fighters. He doesn't want to quit a fight, but he doesn't want fellow fighters to see him quit. He had to quit a fight. He was fighting Michael Venom Page, and there wasn't one of us in the back that gave him a hard time or looked down. He couldn't see the punches. Michael Venom Page was so fat, Rickle was getting, he couldn't see it coming. He just goes, look, you stop, just stop. He made the right call. He took about 30 punches more than most people would have done before he did that. But there is something to speed, guys, that is intimidating. When you're dealing with a striker who's superior, who, by the way, is meaningfully faster. And I think that's really what you're going to see here. I don't think that Izzy is far and away a better fighter than Jared Cannonier. I think Jared Cannonier is awesome. I really do. I think Jared Cannonier is the number one contender in the world. I think if Izzy Adesanya falls down and hurts his leg, Jared Cannonier is the greatest fighter in the world. I really think that. There's not the discrepancy that you believe. Not with the all-around and with the unified rules. There's not. But there is athletically a meaningful speed difference, which when you're wrestling doesn't play out the same way. Because you got a hold of a guy. You can feel him. You can slow him down. When you're striking, it's a problem. And it hurts. And it hurts quickly. And I'm telling you, Adesanya, for sure, not a maybe. If you can go find a line on it, go put your money on it. Tell him Chael sent you. Adesanya, for sure, will win the first round. He, for sure, will win the second round. Three, four, and five can get very strange when you're talking about a main event. All right, guys, that's it for today's program. I want to thank you for listening. And I want to remind you that I will be posting a special UFC 276 reaction show. That's going to come out on Sunday. So be on the lookout for that, guys. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you enjoy the fights. Until Sunday, I am Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.